Hey guys, welcome back to the Flying Lion Podcast. I'm here tonight with my co-host Sam. How are we doing tonight, bud? Doing good, doing good. Um, you know, one and one on the week, so you know, could be, could be better. But uh, we uh, we kicked a we kicked a certain team and a certain player out of the playoffs <clears throat> this uh, this past weekend. So I uh, felt good about that one for sure. He shouldn't who should not be named. Let's just say that, you know, uh, we'll talk about it later, but kind of a quick rundown of what we're going to cover tonight. Um, like Sam had mentioned, we were one and one on the week. Um, so FC Cincinnati had a loss in New York Red Bulls this past Wednesday. They then beat inner Miami down in Miami on Saturday. Um, so that'll be kind of the first half of the podcast in the second half. We'll do our traditional Jersey swap. um, you know, card of the week. We'll get into a little bit of our trivia question. I had a good one for this week. Um, and then at the very end, kind of interesting, we're going to talk about some of the MOS awards and the conversation about some of those. Sam's going to give us a little bit of a breakdown on what goes into that. Um, so please stay tuned to the second part. We'll chat about that more. Um, Sam, Wednesday night's game uh, was definitely overlooked after a wild celebration the Saturday before when we went, you know, supporter shield. But uh, Pat Noonan kind of rolls out a rotated squad. It was just good to be back in the stadium to, you know, have the anticipation of celebrating a trophy um, there. And I think we kind of overlooked the game, but that's okay. Yeah, to to you know, kind of go off of what you're saying, I think part part of that was the fact of the majorly rotated squad. I mean, up top you had. Baji and Bupenza, which that was their first start together up top. And then you had kind of an interesting choices, in my opinion, to go with Powell and Gaddis on out wide. Um, would have liked to see Halsey or, you know, somebody else um, out, out wide, as well as Angulo in the middle with Inwobido. Um, I know we saw Pinto come in in the latter half of the game, but um maybe should have seen him to, to shake things up as well. Um, but, you know, saying that after the play is, is easier than, you know, beforehand, but uh, yeah, I w it was definitely interesting from a lineup perspective. I am right there with you. I thought this was Brett Halsey's time to shine. Like this dude is young. He might have a future in our starting rotation as soon as next year, potentially with Barrial maybe leaving. Um, or even Arias, if he doesn't stay, I really hope he will. But um, Halsey's going to play significant minutes of any game we've had. Like, you know what you're going to get out of Ray Gaddis. You know what you're going to get out of Alvis Powell. Why not put in Brett Halsey to see what he's got? Um, so that was, that was the only thing that I kind of had beef about um, kind of leading up into it. I was excited, again, just to see the boys on the field, some different players maybe that – We'll get some good experience um, in a pressure situation. And what I mean by that is twofold. New York Red Bulls plays such a high pressing um, game, which I think a lot of teams in the playoffs will play um, against us. And then secondly, the fact that New York was trying to fight for a playoff spot. Um, so you talk about kind of high stress, high pressure, which kind of builds a similar atmosphere to a playoff setting, especially playing at home. So to see, you know, as Sam referenced, to see Angulo in there, to see Kubo playing at the 10, you know, to see these guys in different positions that we haven't seen much of recently, um, it, it's good experience for them. Yeah, I, I think a lot of that um, kind of inexperience with everyone playing together because there were so many changes throughout the squad kind of showed, especially in the <laughs> early part of the game. Um, just to go right into it, you have... Red Bulls has a lot of chances early. Um, they were kind of capitalizing on a lot of different, you know, offensive kind of not only shots, but also they were just seemed to be in, in our own half, you know, most of that at least first 20, 30 minutes. Um, but they, they open the scoring and Amaya steps up and, <laughs> and hits a, you know, a, a pretty decent strike. Um, and one of those guys in Angulo that you had just touched on, yeah. um, he, he needs to step sooner than that. He's got to um, get out there and, and pressure the ball. Yeah, and just to touch like on the game as a whole real quick, like he got outplayed by Amaya as well. I know Angulo is our, our backup center center mid, but um, yeah, I thought he got absolutely outplayed by Amaya in the middle. Amaya was running circles around him, but 
Hey Sam, I don't really don't who, don't really like to see that. Who would have thought that Amaya could play well in Cincinnati? Yeah, the stage isn't too, isn't big <laughs> enough for him in Cincinnati. But apparently, when you say something, he'll he'll shut you up a little bit against our reserves. So I will have to say the guy didn't celebrate his goal. So in the twelfth minute, you know Amaya has a shot from outside the box. He puts it in the corner, decent shot. You know we didn't have guys step on it. You know it was it was well taken, but doesn't celebrate. I think Amaya is just kind of one of those guys that doesn't do that in general. Um, maybe it was intentional being back in Cincinnati from the team that drafted him for those who aren't familiar. Um, but still at the same time, I'm like sitting there like, go figure, you know, we just want a trophy and we're all excited. And then this guy comes in and scores against his former team. Like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, so from that moment on, like, you know, Sam was kind of referencing, I don't know if, you know, our, our, three center backs were at least familiar with each other, but I think it was more of an outside back problem this whole night. Um, the first goal definitely was more of, you know, obviously through the middle, but it was played out wide first and then kind of shuffled in. I think Powell was out of position on that first part. Definitely the second goal though. The second goal definitely comes from a out of position play. Um, again, the wing backs not getting in good positions to clear the ball. Um, so in the 17th minute, I believe they get their second goal and we're already down 2-0. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, but a little before that Kubo has a chance. Um, sure. I know Baji, yeah. Baji had kind of, uh, I want to say he passed it to Kubo there in the middle. Yeah. Kubo had a left footed shot, but it, it just went right at the goalkeeper and Baji was right in the wide open in the middle. Wide open. Right yeah. there. It was yeah, Bupenza to, to Kubo and Baji was right in the middle. Um, would have liked to seen him maybe dish that off a little bit. I'm not sure if there was room, but that was the, the one chance that I thought was glaring in that first half. Other than that, yeah, <laughs> I, the next goal was, was kind of apparent. Do you think FC has a problem with one-on-one scoring with the goalkeeper? I've kind of seen a trend over the past several games. If you kind of think back to the Vasquez one at home that he doesn't put in, you go back to the week, I, I think against Toronto that uh, Bupenza is one-on-one with the keeper, another one where Vasquez one-on-one with the keeper. They got to do better at finessing it around the guy. Like they, they got to do better. Take notes from Lucho. He he does the best on the team, I think, and and taking advantage of that. Well, yeah, I was about to say it's probably Lucho does the best out of all of them um, as far as, you know, what I want to play in general. But yeah, the to your point that you were saying earlier, you know, Red Bulls goes up 2-0. Um, Alvis DePaula, which I, I thought was really funny. I like to call him Alvis Powell's evil twin from New York, it sounds like. But um, he, he scores a little too easy, found, you know, just a perfect pocket of space. Nobody stepped to him. Haglin, Miazga, Mascara, like nobody wanted any piece of it. And it was a perfectly placed goal. Just, you know, 2-0, 17 minutes in, not not the perfect scenario there. I think although like the center back gets beat on that one, like I got to give my flowers to Yerson Mascara. The dude just continues to impress me. Uh, just kind of moments down on, you know, the end line where he's battling one-on-one or recovering. I've just never seen a player be able to cover so much ground. And you kind of saw that in moments in the first half where they were put out of position and he just covered for us. I mean, it could have been three or four Oh, if it weren't for him. So, um, we go into the half, we're down, you know, Oh, two, um, I, I wasn't really sure how to feel. I'm not going to lie this whole night because I was so excited about what was to come after the game. Um, but the guys like showed more fire and kind of to my point in the second half, um, I, I believe it was the 60th minute. Was it that we get the subs 64th. in 64th minute? Yeah, we get the subs? Yes. No 60th minute. And uh, yeah, I thought it was. So yeah. Barial and Acosta get subbed in. Um, and it, it just changes the whole team, the whole mentality, the whole way that New York has to play. I think prior to that, the possession was 60, 40 for New York. You get those two guys in and all of a sudden we're dominating possession. We're dominating, you know, where we have the ball, um, Alvaro and, and Acosta are just creating chances, just the two of them. I mean, it was just fun to watch, uh, in the spark. I mean, if there was any time to see, 
the impact that Lucho has on this team. It's in a moment when we're down two goals and he's got to create things. And I mean, let's be honest, he ends up creating the moment, uh, you know, in this bizarro situation. I don't know if you want to run through it. I can run through it because I was livid through this whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, would you want me to cover it? Yeah. I'll even. So there's a through ball to Lucho down the line. Lucho takes it down on the defender. He's one-on-one with the guy tries to play a left footed cross um, across the guy like has his arm out to the side. Um, His arm was extended. In my opinion, I could see it from where I was sitting. And so the ref is right there looking right at it, waves his arms, you know, no, no PK, no, you know, handball, nothing. And is looking directly at the play. It's not like it's behind him or anything. He is watching it. Um, So that happens. They get the ball and they go down on the attack and New York ends up scoring. And I've never seen people so livid because this had been building. This ref was probably the worst I've ever seen um, for an FC game. And that says a lot because we've had some really bad refs. But, you know, so we're all calling for a VAR a review because it's like clear as day that this guy made a handball on it. And, you know, of course, like he takes a second to act like, oh, like we'll see. I'm sure the MLS people were in his head like, dude, you got this wrong. You got this way wrong. Cause he goes over and he checks and it's a clear handball. So we get a PK out of it. They negate their goal. And then Lucho steps up and does what he does best. Yeah. The, the fact that how do like, how do you not see that? I just don't understand. You're right there. How do you not call that right away? It's so clear and Blatant obvious PK that he misses in front of his own yeah. eyes. And has to go to VR to reverse it. I mean, that is terrible. That is so bad. Um, so, you know, that kind of leads to the tensions of things. Lucho now has seven straight PK goals in a row without um, one being saved. So, you know, shout out to him for being unpredictable with those because sometimes it's tough. Um, but, you know, we're back in the game. It's one, two, but then the guys are pushing even more. Um, I thought Pat should have brought Vasquez in at the 70th minute. Uh, or, you know, immediately after we score, he doesn't end up bringing him on until I think the 81st, 82nd minute. Uh, so that was one thing that I just wanted to point out is that they could have had a little bit more firepower up front if they brought him in earlier. Um, but the tensions keep building, you know, we end up getting all these phantom calls because let's be honest, New York plays this way. They play that every time you touch them, they fall to the ground. And I am so sick of it. I am sick of them embellishing everything. I mean, they only had one guy that ends up getting a fine, um, you know, at the end of this game because of embellishment, but it's just ridiculous. Every time our guy would touch them, they would fall to the ground, no matter where it was, no matter if they were winning, losing. I mean, but definitely by the end, because they're trying to waste time, the keeper of New York Red Bulls was driving me crazy because when they do eventually end up winning, he celebrates and like throws his hands up to the fans and stuff. And it's like, congrats, dude, you beat a team that wasn't even playing for anything. Like, good job. What do you, I don't know what you want out of this, but I don't know if you felt that way watching it. I w I'd never been so frustrated by a moment. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was, it was weird, but, but to your, to your point of when, when Lucho comes in, Barrial comes in, Vasquez comes in, like, it it sucks that they those guys have to come in for us to get energy, right? I, I really wish that this game had a chance to give our bench so much confidence. True. It had a chance. It really did. But having to quote unquote kind of be saved by the starters to come in and all right, now we gotta make try and make this a game. You know, in the in the 80th minute, we have a beautiful play between Barrial or Vasquez and Acosta, yeah, back and forth, one two. Uh, Vasquez brings it down, chests it to Acosta. Like you're like, oh, oh my gosh, like here we go. <laughs> and then once again, it's a case of Vasquez getting tripped up under his own feet. I mean, the pass was a little bit behind him, but a little at the behind same time, him, if like, I remember, yeah, yeah. Like at the same time, you know, maybe I don't know if he realized, but he had Bupenza wide open behind him, but his yeah. back was turned to him, and they had a lot of chances, like. The- capitalize and you felt like it was building like you could feel it in the stadium like they were pushing and like you said they created so many chances um 
it was just unfortunate. Um, I, I think what was tough for me too, like it gets down to a point where the fans are getting really frustrated and you can tell that's kind of building over into the coaching staff, into the players on the field. And I hate to say it, but as soon as we kind of lose our heads to that, we tend to just keep at that and then not really focus on things. So, you know, that kind of leads to the red card happens (laughs) to the red card. Exactly. And just a lapse of, concentration to be honest with you like at first glance i thought oh that's not a yellow but i go back and look at it and that that was more of a yellow card than the first one was um we're referring to alvis powell getting a red card you know in the 87th minute but you're putting you know a team that's now having more momentum creating opportunities kind of behind now because you're down a man um and that was just frustrating for me yeah i I mean, just, he was, he was lazy, tired legs and you got, you got to be more aware than that. I mean, to be fair, I don't think it it wasn't a good, it wasn't like, oh, that was a a goal saving foul, right? There wasn't anybody in the middle for Red Bull. So even if he takes that down the wing, yeah, you know, maybe, you know, one of our defenders runs him into the, you know, to out of bounds. Right. So, yeah you know, it is what it is, but I, to your point earlier on, you know, the cards, like that's six cards in one half for one team. That's bad. In a matter of however, I, I think the first card in the second half for Alvis Powell was I think 40, 47, 48 minute. Mm-hmm. And the last one, 87th minute, like. Yeah, insane. it was a lot of cards. It felt like this guy was giving them out like candy. It felt like, honestly, I felt like this guy was trying early to control Halloween. the game. Like early, early Halloween. Yeah. He's passing them out. Right. Yeah. But it was just, it was so bad. I'm sure everyone in FCC land can echo. Like it felt more of like the ref show than the guys on the field. And when you take our ability away to play and you don't know what a foul is, I mean, that for me was the hardest part. And we'll kind of talk about that here in the Miami game too, is like, what is a foul anymore? You know, just like in the NFL, like what's a catch? Like, what is a foul? I don't know. There's been so many variabilities on OB, you know, on potential fouls. And like, you know, we'll talk about it again, like I said, for the Miami game, but I don't even know, man. But anyway, that game ends. We kind of have to put it by us because there's a shield celebration to be had. And what an awesome moment. Um, you know, shout out to your dad for helping to deliver, uh, you know, the the shield celebrations, you the know, stage. stand. Yeah. And uh, I, I think it was kind of that, um, what, what would you call it? I, the overhang, I guess, or are you know what I'm referring for to? All, like on the, on the stage or like behind it? Behind the stage, yeah, that had like the circular thing behind I would it. I would say just, just like a background arch the background arch yeah I mean that was cool they did it up well they had the stage they had that going they had the fireworks all night long I mean it was such good vibes I mean for having a ch- championship the first one since 1990 in the city for a professional team you know they wanted to do it upright it's unfortunate that it happened after the game like it did because I've never felt so conflicted in my life and you I think could the tell players... you could tell like Pat, Pat Noonan was very much like, Oh my gosh. Hey, I'm sorry. That's what he, the first thing. Yeah. That's what like, he said. And he was like, that tells you how competitive that celebrate is. This. Yeah, absolutely. And I loved it. I thought how I was like, I love how straightforward he was. Pat was great. I mean, it was very funny because it was like so up and up from, you know, Jeff Birding, Carl Linder, and then Pat gets on there and he's like, dude, I'm sorry, man. Like we should have done better, but we're here. We won the shield. Like, you know, we're happy about it, but the players kind of had to take a minute to reset and like, actually be like, Oh, like we actually now get to celebrate this. Um, yeah. So that, that was interesting. Things that kind of stood out for me, I'm really happy that FC brought all the front office on the field. Um, You know, all the ticket reps got to celebrate, all the training staff. Even, you know, Sam, you called it the last podcast. Great call. I mean, handing Supporter Shield from the Supporter Shield leaders or the supporter leaders, you know, down the Bailey and into the field, you know, to Lucha's hands. Lucha had the best reaction of all time of like, once he finally holds the shield, he's like, oh, man, this thing is heavy. <laughs> I don't know if you caught that or not. <laughs> yeah. 
So Lucha's reaction was fantastic from that. Um, and then you get all the guys lifting it. You know, I stayed late and went down close to the field to see, you know, all the guys walking around with the shield. Uh, awesome moments. I mean, like I had texted our group, like these are moments that you like have been celebrating in FIFA for all these years. And now it's a reality. Like I have a video side by side on it. So I'm, I, I want to hear your perspective of it. Cause for me, obviously watching the celebration, you know, via Apple TV versus in the stadium is yeah. completely different. Right. But for me, it almost looked like and felt like, I mean, yes, there was celebration there, but it almost looked like relief. Like it looked more like relief True. than celebration. And more relief because of the fact that we had something to celebrate after a loss, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so if you saw that reaction, it might have been because of what just had happened, but also relief on the fact of like we've had three terrible years, you know, to start the MLS and then you build last year and it's like, man, <clears throat> we can just enjoy ourselves and say that we're champions, we're undisputed, you know, uh, for sure. I, I felt for sure like, you know, that, that was a huge relief for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just thought that was interesting. Like watching it, um, it, it did look like everybody, the Bailey was rocking. It was so cool. I, and to your point, you know, we, we all like, we, we talked about the supporters passing it down. Yeah. You know, I had talked about, why don't we put it in front of the Bailey? I think somebody on, on Twitter asked, like, why would they do that? It looks weird. And I'm like, well, for, for photos. And he's like, it's, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I think he's more referencing, like, if you're going to celebrate, like, celebrate towards your fans, not away from them. But for the photo ops, like, it looked way better that way. I mean, having the oh, whole yeah. Bailey so cool. filled behind it. Um, the only thing that was missing was a TIFO, you know, but that's too hard to get done in a short amount of time. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, getting all the Bailey to have shields to kind of hold up, but people brought their own. So I thought that was really cool. Um, shout out to the FC Cincinnati fans, you know, again, for those who aren't familiar, we sold out of those, you know, shield t-shirts from the, from the club in 20 minutes, the first day on Wednesday, they were going, you know, like crazy as well. So, you know, we celebrate our team um, and I absolutely love that. Um, and couldn't be happier, you know, for everyone from top to bottom who was there to kind of see everything through, um, from the bad years all the way through. Um, and we'll kind of keep that rolling. So, you know, on to Saturday, Saturday's game against inner Miami down in Miami. Um, we not only, you know, clinch trophies, but we also knock people out of their seasons too. So. Yeah. From, from Wednesday to Saturday, we had eight changes in the lineup. So, completely different mindset going to play Miami, you know, to your point, we're, we're going to knock these guys out of the playoffs, take them off their pedestal, if you will. I felt and... like the underrated story was how upset our coaching staff was that they lost that open cup game. I mean, they, yeah. like you said, make eight changes and they're like, we're going for it. We don't care if we won the league, like we're going to beat Messi, Even if he's a sub, we don't care. We're going to go down to Miami. I mean, I have a stat, for you, Sam, this is the first one that FC Cincinnati has had uh, at Miami. Previously, they were 0-2-1. So first win down in Miami. We've had wins, you know, in Orlando and Florida before, but um, to beat Miami at Miami was a huge thing. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, although the vibes going into the game were very much like, let's let's kick the crap out of them. The first <laughs> half belonged to Miami. <laughs> like that's true. I that's know, valid. I don't know how they weren't up three, four Oh on us, to be honest with you. Cause within the first nine minutes, FC Cincinnati gets saved. Um, as Miami kind of has a rocket of a volley, like right in front of the goal. And it goes right off the crossbar <laughs> crossbar, man. It was both ways this night, but, um, yeah, you're exactly right. They kind of dominated even without Messi. They didn't have Jordi Alba, but they did have Busquez. And that's sometimes all you need is one person in the midfield. Um, our, our guys, to me, I don't know if you felt this way, just didn't kind of acclimate to the heat down there as quickly. Maybe that had something to do with it. The playing surface didn't look the greatest, but to be honest with you, neither did TQL after the last match either. Some people actually made comments about how bad the field had looked um, after the game, but that's a 
side discussion on that one. Um, <laughs> but you're right. The first half, at least I was like, eh, this is kind of ugly, but it ends up being zero, zero, you know, to end the half. Um, anything else you wanted to kind of touch on on the first half? Uh, no, I mean, other than right after it wasn't the a half, ton. right? Right after the half, FC Cincinnati kind of finds their footing, right? And once well, again, you know why like, Santos comes it. out. <laughs> well, yes, Santos for Bupenza, which I don't know why Pat doesn't just start Bupenza. Like I, I feel like that's happened three or four times already. This like second half of the season. Yeah. But to, what I was gonna say was, I hope this team does not like just pride themselves on being a second half team. I talked about this a couple weeks ago. Sure. We cannot be a second half team when it comes to the MLS playoffs. Like you can't just wait until the second half and be like, Oh, we'll, we'll get them after halftime. Don't worry. Like we're a second half team. Like that's not, that's not how that works. I'm, I promise you in the playoffs, there's going to be even more time wasting by the other team. There's going to be even more like chances to kind of swallow the game up. But yeah, right after halftime, We've got a great chance, biggest chance probably yet in the game. Lucho to Arias. Arias boots a, a rifle. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's just right, right at the keeper on the right Makes side. Makes a pretty decent save but, at it. Bupens is right there to clean it up. And like he tries to just dink and dunk it like over top of the the keeper. And I mean, great save by the keeper with his right leg. But why aren't you smashing that thing into the back of the goal? I saw that a couple games ago from him too. I don't know why he doesn't just rip it in. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. But at least like, he looked deadlier with where we, I should say, looked deadlier with him on the field. Um, but you're right. I, I, I totally agree. I couldn't agree more that into the end of the season, especially if you're not on the front foot, like you're behind and it's way harder to play that way in a tournament style. Um, where, you know, you really have to find a goal and now you're playing a Red Bulls type team that, you know, is falling every time they get the chance and time wasting. And then you got to like play into that. And we don't want our team to get into that way. So come out, be dominant, show your, you know, potential early on uh, and take the lead, you know, do those things quicker because other teams are going to capitalize on you. Um, finally, you know, at least in this game, we take advantage of an opportunity um, Messi comes on in like the 50 something minute. And that seemed to be all what the broadcasters want to display and everything. But, um, let's not discount how, you know, Yuya Kubo comes into this game and changes the game for FC Cincinnati. He played a heck of a game in the last like 40, 45 minutes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he, he showed the heart and showed the hustle. He didn't really play that well, you know, in the Red Bulls game when he did start played all 90 minutes, Felt like he could have contributed a little bit more, a little bit better. Um, obviously mentioned his lack of finishing in the, in the first game, but yeah, in this one, he definitely made up for it. They had a role for him, especially, and, you know, kind of leading up to FC Cincinnati's goal, um, we started to press a little bit higher on some defenders that maybe were a little bit, I would say, like tireder or not as good on the ball, um, you know, because they had Messi. They were putting numbers forward. Inter Miami had to win this game, so they were pressing a lot more. Um, and they had a five back. They switched to a four back. Pat sees the change and ends up keeping a higher line. Presses them a little bit more. Messi loses the ball. We steal it away from him. You know now Kubo's on the attack. Rips a shot. Uh, and Barial's in a good position and puts it away for our our only goal of the game. But uh, just incredible work by the front line and kind of getting that ball back and creating that opportunity and props to Barial for not just skying it over and actually placing it. That's what I wanted to give him I did, credit for. I did think it was funny that right before that though, Barial gets dispossessed and he kind of like hobbles like he's injured or like has like a, a cramp or something. <laughs> and then we win the ball back. It, it falls in his lap and he finishes it and he does like a calm, cool, collected celebration. No, like jumping in the air or anything. Like, yeah. And then he like, goes back and then I'm he exhausted. asks for a sub. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if he's like kind of playing into it and then was like, actually, you know what? I need to come out. But, <laughs> but yeah, hey, I, Brett Halsey comes in and plays Messi pretty decently on that side after that play. 
Um, one thing I wanted to touch on was at the very end, you know, FC ends up closing it out. Um, it, it wasn't like terribly nervy, but I'm going to get to it a little bit later in the game on what ends up happening with these ridiculous fouls in situations. So kind of stay tuned for that. We'll talk about that. Um, but Arias getting into it with Messi is like awesome moment, just incredible Love moment it. for us. Yeah. Um, so again, I'll, I'll chat about that in the second part of the pod here. Um, Sam, I wanted to, to give you our trivia question of the week before we go to break here. Are you ready? Yeah. So a uh, couple, couple stats here after the inner Miami game. Um, this was FC Cincinnati's 20th one of the year. Again, the first one we've had in Miami. So now we're one, two, and one down there. Um, FC Cincinnati has got an MLS low three road losses. Only 21 teams in MLS history have had three or fewer road matches, lost three or fewer uh, road matches in a single season, um, and just two teams since 2012, actually, which is just incredible. Um, New England in 2021 and LAFC in 2019. So for how bad we thought our road record was, like we actually have done pretty decent. Um, so all this leading up to our overall record with 20 wins, um, my question for you, Sam, Trivia question of the week. How many active coaches in the MLS have had 20 win seasons? MLS season only, excluding playoffs and other cup competitions. Are we including Pat? Including Pat Noonan. This is gonna be gonna be a wild guess here. Um I don't think I feel like 20 wins is very like it hasn't happened. I'm trying to also think of like long tenured coaches. Like I know sporting Casey's coach has been around since like 20, 2009, 2010. Um, We're talking active to the moment too. There's been some other coaches yeah. uh, that have been fired that earlier have on off. as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. But how many do you think? I'm going to go three. I'm going to go okay. three coaches, including Pat. Yeah. Do you want to give me the other two that you're thinking of? No, no, no shot. <laughs> okay, that's fine. So stay tuned you, to the end of the episode. Yeah. Good. What are you gonna say? No, I mean to, to your point earlier, the coaches that might have fallen off that really aren't active anymore. Bruce Arena would probably be one of those. It's a good shout. There might be another Toronto guy that might have been that way as well. But uh, <laughs> stay tuned to the end. We'll give you the active, most up to date uh, coaches. Um, but we'll be right back. So Agility is a technology-driven soccer training facility. So we offer six facets of training. Uh, that would be Tech Touch uh, with ball launchers that work on your first touch, the TSZ, uh, which is the ESA equipment and working on decision-making. We also have a circuit. Uh, circuit training would be taking the ESA equipment to the next level. It's kind of like a soccer obstacle course. Then we offer neuroscience training with our reflection tools. Uh, working on processing things a little bit faster and eye coordination and such. Uh, we offer skills classes, which is your typical coverage skills training. Um, lots of people still enjoy that. So we work on a lot of attacking 1v1 skills. And then we also offer athlete development. So our athletes come here and they work on speed, agility, uh, quickness, explosive movements, really just learning how to move and function a little bit better as an athlete. Welcome back, everyone. We're here on an up and down week, but now here towards the end of the MLS season, um, I couldn't be happier as a fan of this team right now, um, you know, in a great position going into the MLS Cup. Um, Sam, I'm really excited about what's to come um, on a high note, you know, I mean, going into the playoffs, you're always excited, but especially after you have a trophy and under your belt too. Yeah, absolutely. And another statistic I wanted to touch on was, you know, after this last game with Inter Miami, um, that means FC Cincinnati has swept four teams this season in league wow. play: NYCFC, Nashville, Toronto, and now Inter Miami. And our next game will be possibly five wow. that we've swept when we play against Atlanta. So. That would be, I would think, up there for most amount of like sweeps in a season, um, which would be pretty impressive. Impressive. Yeah. I mean, like we touched on winning on the road. Um, FC Cincinnati is also 14 and one in one goal games this year. 
So talk about games where, you know, it, it's been nerve wracking. It's a Cincinnati special, but 14 and one, you know, not even a tie, just 14, and one, just winning it. You know what I mean? And holding on. Um, that's the biggest thing this year versus last year in games where we had leads and we couldn't hold on to leads this year, we've been dominant, you know, that's been huge. And I think it comes from experience, um, being in those moments last year and now knowing what to do, um, in coaching, you know, I think definitely plays into it. I wanted to give a special shout out, um, to Nick Haglin. He's not my Jersey swap, but he's my honorable Jersey swap of the week. He surpassed 9,000 minutes for FC Cincinnati, which is the most in club history. Um, so shout out to Nick Haglin. You know, he's been a, a workhorse in the back line, even against Inter Miami, you know, Messi, all of these guys like Nick's in there competing. We thought he would just get completely destroyed when he would play these guys, but shout out to him. He's He's held his own. Yeah, not not bad. He hasn't made it look pretty, but he's got the job done. He didn't fall on his face like we thought he would when he'd go against Messi. I mean, that's kind of what we predicted this whole time. But um, Sam, kind of on a good note, as we're shouting people out, what was your jersey swap of the week? Yeah, I was going back and forth on who was going to be my jersey swap. I had two options. Um, I want to shout out Arias. Arias was one option. He had a great game uh, against Inter-Miami. But um, my jersey swap of the week was the guy you talked about earlier, and that was Mascara. I was surprised going back at the game, looking at the stats, 136 touches, 112 passes, wow. goes five for seven on take-ons and had 10 clearances. So to your point earlier, hmm. he played pretty well against Red Bulls. Game could have been a lot worse if he wasn't in that back line. Um, and I also wanted to give him a shout out for getting called up to the national team. Sure. Um, the last time he missed out due to injury. So Happy to see him finally getting that that call up for the World Cup qualifiers. Good shout. Um, I think we're going to be like missing him a ton next year. I'm already like missing the guy. Um, also, shout out to Yerson for liking, you know, one of our videos that we posted about him going around oh, the field man. on multiple platforms. Um, so Yerson, fan of the pod, appreciate you. Um, but, uh, yeah, he, he's been a heck of a player. I think. I think, what is he, 21 now, 22? He's young. I mean, he's got a future in the Premier League or whatever top league in Europe, you know, at some point. Yerson, look back at us and remember all the good times. Maybe you can come back and FC Cincinnati will, you know, let you gladly come back to our back line. Um, With him being that young, there's still a chance, you know, of that. Um, we'll kind of talk on it later too, but shout out to him for making the Columbia national team for world cup qualifiers, you know, huge moment for the guy. I don't know if he'll get to play, but what an honor, you know, for him. And for your point between the two guys you were looking at both made the Columbia national team, uh, for this call up for international breaks. So, uh, good pick, Sam. I like that. Who's your Jersey swap? I had Alvaro Barrial shocker, right? Uh, I just think, Barrial had a great game against Inter Miami. Obviously, he scores the goal. He's always kind of stepped his game up, especially, you know, you could see it in Open Cup against Messi before. This time again against Miami, he kind of picked it up again. He's up to five goals and five assists in the MLS this year, which kind of ties him actually for last year's total. But in all competitions, um, I think he's got more assists than that, a couple more goals. Alvaro's just been the left wing back that we've always wanted um, and that we never knew we had, to be honest with you, because he's just turned into such a special player. Um, you saw it against New York Red Bulls, how much he changes this team when his presence alone elevates, you know, from Ray Gaddis, no offense to Ray Gaddis, but you're talking about a guy that has been a, you know, workhorse in MLS. He's been such a good veteran leader for us, but you put Alvaro in and he's the X factor. He can do things on that side that no one can match up against. Uh, it's Sam, Sam. It's like putting LeBron at the three, like no one can guard the guy. You know what I mean? Uh, Alvaro's just been incredible and in cutting inside coming outside. 
Sam, he's second in the league right now in throw-ins. So honorable shout out to Alvaro for the amount of throw-ins. I know at the beginning of the year, we were very like on the throw-ins because we were yeah. like, hey, we're leading the MLS in throw-ins. He's only two behind. He's got time to come back and get the, the most throw-ins of the year. Um, but he also, I think, is top five in, in crosses. Um, so Barial has um, yeah. been, been a dude. He's been awesome. I hope he stays with us. If they open up a DP spot, give him the DP. I mean, that would be huge. That would be massive. Like if we get a fourth DP spot and we want to make him that, I would be very happy about that. Um, yeah, he, he's just been incredible. Yeah, good shout. Good shout. I, I, I think with him on the, on the left-hand side, like you said, there's always going to be a chance for something, especially – when he's got that that wicked cross, um, there's always a chance where something could be in the mix in the middle. Maybe Vasquez, Bupenza, somebody gets a head on it or something, and he's the guy who puts it in play. Did you see him at the end of the New York Red Bulls game? He's so upset with the ref. I've never seen him so upset. He goes up to the guy and he's like, good job. Way to make it all about yourself. Like, you know, he gives him a big thumbs up and walks away. It's like Alvaro is so petty and I love it. I love yeah, it. You had said you were like, I, I've never seen him that heated ever. He was heated. I mean, he, I think he got a yellow, like at the end he of the did, game. Yeah. At the end of the game. Um, And the ref was just like waiting to give it to him too, because of like, I mean, he was just being that way, but I love it. I love the fire. And he usually kind of, allows that to fuel himself for it. It doesn't like deter him from playing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So kind of on the flip side, we'll go over to our cards of the week, Sam. What was your card of the week? My card of the week. Um, I honestly didn't know whether to make this my Jersey swap or my card. I kind of wanted to make it both at first, to be honest with you, but I'm going to go with inner Miami's woodwork. The woodwork Whoa. made five saves, five saves on the night. Pretty Good impressive. Job, um, FC Cincinnati had some chances. You had Bupenza's cross that was kind of a deflection that hit the post. And then you had Busquets who almost put in an own goal off the same post. And then the woodwork makes three crucial saves within the first 25 minutes of the game. <laughs> like that's pretty impressive. Like it kept inner Miami from the playoffs as well. You know, you're hitting it on the crossbar. You're hitting it off the post. Like what a save by the, by the woodwork. I just got to give my shout out to that. Like pretty impressive. Yeah, I don't know if that is a card, you know, like a good card, bad card, but um Yeah, I you know, just very interesting. I don't know what kind of lubricant they're putting on yeah. the Miami work there, but everything seems to be just slipping off. Just <laughs> I don't know. It's the heat down in Miami. <laughs> it might be a moisture, the moisture. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. But it, it was Roman Celentano's best friend for that game. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Quick shout out to him for getting his twelfth shutout of the year. Second most in the MLS. Roman, your woodwork helped you out, brother. But you got another shout out. I love it. Ryan, what was your card of the week? All right. Well, I referenced it earlier, but um, all of these scam fouls on Messi. I am sick of it. He's only been in the league for like two months, but I've had enough. He had a game earlier in League's Cup where he shoved a guy down, didn't get a card. He has this play where Kubo's tracking him, you know, unbelievably well. Kubo gets all ball, no man, and they call it a foul because they're just trying to get Messi a free kick. You know, that happens, and I was losing it. I was so upset. Like, how are you going to call that? It's right in front of the, you know, ref again. Um, so that's a dive on Messi. That should have been a yellow. And then Pinto actually, I think, maybe gets a little bit of contact on him, but still Messi embellishes because, of course, he's going to try to get a free kick. Um, so then, you know, that one happens at the very end of the game, but luckily he skies that over too. So inconsistency and, um, you know, fouls, what, what is a foul anymore? Again, like I'm just confused as to, I have so many questions. Like I, I feel like the ref needs to be fined or something for that or held accountable in some way. Um, he was really trying to get them to be honest into the playoffs, you know, I mean, maybe the MLS had some play in it. I don't know. Um, but I, I didn't like it. Yeah, I, I think coming down to the end of the year, it's one of those things where it's I I I think we're gonna look at the playoffs and look more at not only, yeah, we're gonna look at matchups, but also like 
who are we going to have as referees for those games? Oh my gosh. Yeah, I think no that's kidding. really what's going to be crucial, right? Is oh, I didn't really think about that. At, okay. Yeah. Who is going to be the, not only the, the main referee in the middle, but also, you know, who's on the sides, who's the fourth official, like things these you shouldn't things have are going to play about. into us. Yeah. And I, I think, I think we may do like a whole like card of just like, okay, these are the guys to watch out for. <laughs> Let's do a bit here. Yeah. have done us dirty throughout gonna, the year. We're going to do an MLS Cup preview. You heard it here first. MLS Cup preview, and we're going to rank our officials that we want for the games. <laughs> Add that to the description for this podcast because I think that needs to happen coming up here soon. It's, again, terrible we have to talk about that as a talking point, except, you know, like instead of the players on the field, we're talking about the refs that are refing this game or not refing this game because clearly they're not doing a good job. But, um, yeah, that, that's a good point. I didn't really think about that, but that'd be interesting. I want to see what FC Cincinnati Twitter has to say about that. I'll, I'll put something out, you know, either today or tomorrow. Cool. Like, who do you want to see? Like, who who's the refs that you actually wouldn't mind seeing, you know, ref in an FC Cincinnati playoff game? I don't remember the good ones. I only remember the bad ones, though. That's the problem. <laughs> because it's just like you want to go back and look at their name. They're like, who was that guy? That guy was terrible. Uh, but yeah, maybe the no names are the better ones. Um, anyway, we'll move on international break. FC Cincinnati has a little bit of a break here again. I think this is like our, what third or fourth international break of the year. Again, more of a like selling point that supporter shield is the better trophy. I mean, these guys have to play through an international break before they come back for the last game of the year. Imagine if this game actually meant something for our team and how upset we would be that, there's a potential that they get injured with their club or their country, I should say. They're traveling, you know, all over the the world in some instances. So I just think that, again, it kind of goes to our point that winning Supporters Shield, winning over the full course of the season is more impressive. Do you have an international break during your MLS Cup? No, you don't. You know, how many have we had? How many different tournaments for the club and, um, you know, country? I mean, it's incredible. So, Shout out, though, to Santiago Arias for making Colombia, Yerson Mascara, uh, again, for Colombia, and then I believe uh, Junior Mourinho for Venezuela. Yeah. Um, you know, all those guys going for their World Cup uh, qualifications uh, this week. It'll give me something to watch for the boys, at least. You know, maybe they'll get some minutes because in the last one, <laughs> none of them played except for, I think, Pupenza. Yeah. Just a, a little Gubon action in there, but um, yeah, uh, I, I I think it'll be interesting to to see if they use Mascara at all, considering you know the last time he missed out because he was injured. Um, yeah, hopefully he does, like you said. But uh, rolling into kind of the next uh, segment here, we got MLS awards um, that have been announced. Um, to your point that you made, we have. A lot of guys that are nominated. I believe you said seven FC players are up for MLS awards. And coach. we got MVP, uh, Lucho, Celentano for goalkeeper of the year, Miazga and Mascara for defender of the year, Mascara for newcomer of the year, Mascara for P- young player of the year, Arias for comeback player of the year, Alec Khan for the impact award in the community, and then, of course, Pat Noonan for coach of the year. Awesome achievements to be even be nominated for all of those in every category. I mean, top to bottom. Um, I'm sick of the talk online. This will be my honorary red card of the week. Uh, I, I brought it out, Sam. It's the first time we've done this, but I am sick of this talk about the MVP going to Roman Berkey. I'm sick of it. It needs to go to Lucho. Unbelievable. Unbelievable that even considering it. I mean... Lucho, 16 goals, 13 assists, most goal plus assist contributions, right? He's twice been player of the match day, twice been player of the MLS for uh, player of the month, I think. Um, we This is an incredible stat. I don't want to mess this one up too. Um, so it's the fourth time that Lucho has been named for player of the month, trailing only Landon Donovan, Carlos Ruiz, and... Uh, Joseph Martinez. So incredible that he's even being, you know, mentioned with these guys and twice having player of the month 
um, most valuable player for his team, it can't be a goalkeeper because like he makes the saves when he has to there, but he's not positively impacting them unless you want to say like the saves count as that, but Lucho does more for this team on both facets as a leader, as everything. I mean, emotionally, I don't care what it is. Lucho is your MVP, undoubtedly best team in the MLS. How are you going to go against that? Yeah. So, so to your point, um, as far as how the voting will work for those individual MLS awards is, um, all of the MLS club technical staff, MLS players, and then media members are all going to vote on their respective um, kind of categories. The only things that the fans will get to vote on are the goal of the year and the save of the year. Those are the only things that fan votes actually matter and determine the winners of. So is St. Louis's player going to be up for goal of the year? You know, are they going to get to vote for that one? <laughs> I can't believe it. It's ridiculous. But um, anyway, Sam, thank you for the insight on that. I didn't honestly realize who was all involved with the voting process. Um, but the well, so everybody and, gets one one as well. So the players like... and the coaches have a huge say in this. It seems like, and they will see because of who they have played is you know who who's valuable, and that's Lucho. He is yeah gotta the, be the votes most valuable. The vote totals um, are kind of awarded, I think, by October 23rd. Okay. So we'll see who will win those awards October 23rd at like 5 o'clock, I think it says. So So two days after the last game of the season. Yep. Yeah. I think personally, you know, he gets MVP. Pat Noonan deserves Coach of the Year. Has to. You know, everyone's saying that Bradley Carnell with an expansion team getting it. Do you have 20 wins? Did you win a trophy this year yet? No. You know, what's your what's your record at home versus away? Like, look at all the records we've had. It's incredible. Um, yeah. And what Pat's done in two years to transform the team. If you look at Carnell, he's been with them for two years as well. Look at his trajectory and look at ours and where they're at. I mean, turning the team around from what we had, unbelievable. And being limited in the rosters, you know, in that sense too. Um, Pat's unbelievable in that sense. So those two are my locks. Um, other ones that I think should be honorable for potentials. Do you think Yerson has, uh, has one in him? I, I don't know because he missed time. I, I'm yeah. not too sure because he's, he's up for three awards, right? Sure. So he's, he's got three chances to win an award. And I think if he's going to win one, it's going to be more newcomer of the year or young player of the year. I would say more newcomer. Newcomer. Yeah, for sure. Because yeah. Almada, I think, is going to be the uh, the young player of the year again. Um, I, I think Matt Miazga is a lock for defender of the year. Yeah. Any uh, any debate on that? I I mean – it's hard not to argue against him. I, I can't really think of, you know, anyone else by the, you know, at the top of my head, but when Matt Miazga is on the field, FC Cincinnati's points per game is 2.14 highest of any player in the MLS for points per game. When he is not on the field, it's a lot less, you know? So look at that stat alone and you see how valuable he is in the back. We've said it all year long. Um, but Miazga, I think, wins Defender of the Year for sure. Yeah. Who called it two years ago that he needed to come to us, by the way? This guy. This guy. Uh, I really wanted Matt. I'm so happy. Like we talked about, look at all of our positions in the defense. We have guys that I, – I was looking at this the other day, Sam. Arias played for Atletico Madrid in Champions League. Yersin Mascara could play in the Premier League. Matt Miazga's played in the Premier League. Boreal could play for Ajax and probably the Champions League. You know, Roman has a shout for making a pretty good, you know, European team. Mourinho um, is the only one where I'd say he's probably at about, you know, the place he should be. Ovi's played and led the Turkish League in tackles. You know, Lucho was getting looks at PSG. Vasquez has been looked for Bundesliga and Bupenza's led the Turkish League in goals. Every single position we have studs. I mean, it's unbelievable. I think that goes to show to, to your point of why Pat needs to be coach of the year right there. Just 
the turnaround of the team. Um, and getting and the most from all of them the to play experience. together. Yeah. Yeah. And the experience, but to, to get them to gel, like it's easy to say, Oh, look at all the talent he's had, but like you have to still put that together. You know, you still have to get them to play the best way that they can. And through a long season where if you have so much good talent, then that means that your country is going to come after those guys. And then you're not going to have them for long stretches for your club team. Arguably to me, that's harder, you know, ask Seattle Sounders, look at all their guys that have been gone historically. Um, I, yeah. I think that makes it way more challenging when you have guys that are being pulled in all different directions. Pat for coach of the uh, yeah. year. <laughs> Pat yeah. for coach of the year. I'm with, I'm with you. I'm I'm excited to see where all the like awards go. Yeah, I'm really excited to see it. Yeah, we can chat even more. You know, maybe next episode too. Um, yeah, FC Cincinnati doesn't have a game until uh, the 21st of October, so we have some other notes we're going to cover. You know, next episode. But Sam, I wanted to give you our our trivia our, our trivia answer. You ready? Yep. So again, the question, um, how many active coaches in the MLS have had 20 win seasons? Uh, that's in the MLS, excluding tournaments, excluding, you know, other cup competitions, stuff like that. 21 seasons in the MLS. Sam had locked in three, uh, didn't want to give me the other two, but Pat, Pat Noonan was one of them. Um, the answer is actually five. Oh, wow. Five is very interesting. So, um, some really, really kind of cool talking points here that we can kind of get into Pat Noonan this year, you know, we have uh, 20 wins. Um, the more recent one, the last year, actually, uh, Wilfred Nancy before he was at the crew was with Montreal. They had 20 wins. Um, and then LA Gallic or LAFC, I should say. So uh, Steve Chirindua, um also 21 wins. Uh, Greg Vanny, 2017 with Toronto now the LA Galaxy coach, but Toronto team that he led that Nick Hagelin won, um, you know, the MLS Cup in. So that was interesting. And then Tata Martino, 2018 with Atlanta. Not the year that they even won the MLS Cup, actually, that they lost to the Red Bulls, I think, in like the second or third round of the playoffs. Um, so wow. going back to the coaching battles, this coaching staff had something out for Inter-Miami you know, taking it to Tata, who has had a 21 season, who's coached at Barcelona, who had all these players, and we knocked them out of the playoff contentions. I mean, that's huge for us in the MLS Cup. Uh, I'm really excited to kind of see how this all shakes down. Um, but I, I thought it was pretty interesting. There's been very few teams that have ever reached 20 wins in a single season. Um and for us to actually have one, you know, here and in the season we've had has just been awesome. So cool. Yeah. The, the five coaches, I mean, that's, I, I thought it'd be less than that considering, you know, how, how often you, you know, you're talking about that this happens, but um, yeah, it goes to show the the level of competition in MLS continues to rise year after year, you know, the past three, four years, you could see the quality, not only of the players, but also the coaches that are, are coming into the MLS to kind of build these teams up and create these monsters of teams that win 20, you know, 20 games um, a year. Yeah. I mean, and to kind of like weather the storm to be able to do it too, like we've been talking about with all these competitions, it's only going to get harder. It's only going to yeah. get more challenging to do through you know, the salary limitations, maybe that changes things, but excuse me. Um, yeah, I, I think we talked about, uh, you know, windows of opportunity for teams to win and contend and that window has gotten narrower and narrower over the past few years. So for us to take, you know, from last year, a fifth place finish in the East and go all the way up to 20 wins, you know, maybe 21 by the end of the year for the regular season out of 34 is just insane insane love i mean it. we love we, it what do we get like four or five wins in the first two or three seasons i mean winning feels nice man i like it <laughs> love it <laughs> so sam any final thoughts no um kind of you know take it taking it easy here the, the next week um and then we'll do a, a big preview of the 
Atlanta United game. And then hopefully we've got, you know, some other news um, to talk about as well. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, even in, you know, an off week per sense, um, there's a lot of storylines, you know, going on a lot of stuff around the MLS, a lot of coaches being fired, um, you know, media people not showing up for their job in Minnesota. You know, I don't know if you saw that, but the broadcast got canceled from, you know, MLS uh, TV or whatever from Apple TV. A um, lot of very interesting things. Uh, some teams already announcing their, you know, staff decisions for next year and everything. And we're not even to the final game of the year, you know, so we got a lot more winning to do. Like, you know, Jeff Birding has been saying, I didn't get his quote during the shield celebration, but I really wish that we had, (laughs) I wanted to hear a 2.0 of that. Yeah. That would have been, that would have been icing on the cake. Right. (laughs) So, all right, Sam. Well, thanks again, everyone for listening. Um, And uh, we'll see you guys next week. 